Thank you for listening to the Cultivate Church audio podcast. We hope you are encouraged, inspired, and motivated. Now here's today's message. My name is Brandon Dawson. I'm one of the pastors here at Cultivate. I'm excited to be with you guys. We're in week three of a series we've called Re. Re, re. We've been doing some things over. Who's who's glad we get some restarts in life, some redos? I am. Uh, I want you to know you are not uh, surrounded by a bunch of people who are on their first try at this thing called life. Uh, we all need some help when we're just all people. Here's the difference between us and the rest of the world, between followers of Jesus and the rest of the world. We're all just messed up, broken people, but we have Jesus. And that's the answer. Uh, he is the answer to, um, to our life's questions, right? So today we're continuing. We're in week three. If you've got uh, your notes, go ahead and pull those out of your worship guide today, and I will catch you up. Before we dive in, I want to remind you we are in the final week of prayer and fasting corporately here at the church. Come on, somebody. We're on the last stretch. Uh, some of y'all were a little too excited about that this week. Uh, uh, this morning as uh, we began to walk into today and praying with our team ahead of church. They were playing some music and dancing. They were pretty pumped about uh, the final home stretch of prayer and fasting. It's been an incredible month. I'm telling you, we have we have seen more people participate this year corporately in prayer and fasting than really any time in the history of our church. And there's something incredible about it. Like maybe you're here, maybe you're like on the fence and you'll be like, yeah, but I, you know, I, I, I don't know about that. And uh, maybe you haven't done it, but you still would like to kick in. Go ahead, man. There's seven days, six days left. Go ahead and kick in this last week. Find something to push back. Here's what it does. Here's simple. It's not. It doesn't make you super spiritual to fast, okay? Here's what it does. It simply turns down the volume of the world. That's all it does. That's what fasting does. It doesn't make me super spiritual. And you may have been in this fast, and you're here today, and you're like, yeah, he's talking about fasting. I have broken my fast 27 times in, in, in 17 days, right? Start again. Okay, just do it again. Just turn down, no different than turning the volume up and turning it right back down again, okay? So turn down the volume this week, whatever that looks like. Push something back. If it's food, don't eat. If it's social media, don't scroll. If it, you know, whatever it is that you are, 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 are committing to fast, to put away with uh, this, this last final week, come on, put it back, turn down the volume, and it allows us to turn up the volume of the Word of God, the presence of God in our life. We've got one more night of prayer Thursday night. I'd encourage you to come out. You can come and go as you please. It'll start at six. You'll walk in to people already praying at six o'clock, okay? So maybe you're an introvert and you're like, mm, I don't know. I don't want to talk to people. You don't got to, okay? Just come in and pray. Find, spend some time with the Lord. You can come and go. You can spend the whole hour here or you can just come and, uh, and, and leave as you need to. It is a powerful night of corporate prayer together. We'll be doing that at both campuses. And uh, next Sunday night, come on, you need to be at night of prayer and worship. I promise you, you're not going to want to miss hundreds and hundreds of people that have been praying and fasting uh, all month long, getting together to lift up the name of Jesus. We're going to see an incredible opportunity just for us to worship and, uh, and end the 21 days of prayer together, okay? It's been an incredible month. I am pumped about the future of what God's doing this year in our church, okay? So go ahead and pull out your notes. Let's read our theme verse. Romans chapter 12, verse 2. This is our theme verse for this series, but this is my hope, really, that it becomes your verse this year, that this becomes something that we ingrain in our hearts, in our minds, in our day-to-day, month-to-month. It says this, don't copy, don't conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed. One translation says, let God transform you by renewing your mind, by changing the way you think. 
It says, then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is. His good, perfect, and pleasing will. So many times, I don't know if you've been this point uh, in your own life where you've been confused about what step is next in your life or in your relationships, or in your family, or, man, God, I just don't know what I need to do. I'm confused about what's happening. And the Bible says this, that only when we stop conforming to the world, only when we allow God to transform our minds, will we begin to understand the next step that he's placing in front of me. So what does that look like for me not to conform to the pattern of this world? And then he gives us a responsibility, but be transformed. But be transformed. Let God transform you. How? By renewing your mind. I'm making a decision before my feet hit the ground every day. Come on, 2020, every day that I wake, I'm going to make a decision that says this, God, today, order my steps according to your word. Well, that's 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 actually a Psalm 119, Psalm 119, 133. You want to write that down. You can memorize that. It's one of the passages, when I was early in my faith as a teenager, one of the first scriptures I memorized is that one. God, order my steps according to your word. Direct my steps according to your word so that I will not sin against you, so that sin won't rule over my life. Don't let it rule over my life. How does that happen? I'm going to make a decision today to not live my life according to the pattern of the world around me. Because I'm going to tell you, it's going to be a battle. It's not easy. That's why we're in this series. It's not easy to make decisions contrary to culture. I mean, you're bombarded with it, aren't you? Everywhere we look, everywhere we go, now it's beyond just going to the grocery store and seeing it. I'm on this 2020. You can't turn your phone on without being bombarded with realities of culture's opinions. We follow hundreds of people on Instagram and Facebook and social media and Snapchat, all of which have opinions that, if we're honest, probably are not contrary, but they're very conformatory to the culture around us. And Jesus is saying that I am asking you, God is calling us to not conform, not copy. It's okay as a follower of Jesus for your attitude to look different than everyone else's around you. It's okay as a follower of Jesus for the way you look, act, dress, and are to be different from everybody else around you. It's cool. It's okay for that to happen. Last week, um, we, we gave you guys, an, uh, in, our, in our message illustration, I promise you we're going to keep clothes on this week, all right? But in our message illustration, it was very awkward for many people to see their pastor start taking their clothes off on the platform, right? Some of y'all were like, uh, what, we just, what kind of church are we in? <laughs> um, but here's what I realized. That same truth is in our life. The Bible says in Hebrews for us to strip off every weight that easily besets us, right? And for many of us, we would rather rather conform to the culture around us than be in the awkward situation of taking off things that doesn't conform to the world. So for many of us, we're okay because I don't want to be in the awkward conversation where I don't know what's going on around the water cooler because I didn't watch what they watched last night. Or I didn't listen to what they listened to last night. And it's kind of awkward because I'm different and, oh, they're, they're just different and they don't do those things. And we would rather conform than to be in that awkwardness. And can I tell you, only when we're willing to be in those awkward circumstances and situations can we begin to fully understand God's perfect plan and will for our lives. It's okay to be different than the rest of the world. And so week one, we talked about how to live a refreshed life. Come on, everybody in here, probably if you're honest, there's points in your life in 2019 where you were just exhausted. You were just drained. And the Bible teaches us that Jesus comes to give us life and life to the fullest. Jesus said, I will give you peace. My burden is light. The Christian life was never designed by God to be hard and life-draining. Never. It was refreshing and life-giving. His burden is light. His yoke is easy. And we talked about 
The reason behind all of that is because many of us are so caught up with catching up and keeping up with everyone else around us that we are drained and exhausted because we're not running the race God actually placed us in. So you're so caught up with keeping up with people on social media and keeping up with people in your neighborhood. And man, they got this. I need to get that. They have that. I need to get there. Their job is better. I need that. Or I need to go here. I need that kind of home. Or I need that kind of house. I need to attain these things. I need to catch up and keep up with everybody around me. And you are running their pace and it is exhausting you. And we talked about week one. Don't allow someone else's pace to take you out of your race. You know, God's placed you in a race to run. And you need to focus on your race. Where's he got you and your faith journey? And stop running someone else's race. And while the whole while, it is killing you, right? Live a refreshed life. And last week, we talked about how to revise, how to revise some things. Come on, aren't you glad for redos, some revision, that we can go back to the drawing board at times in our life. And we talked about learning our why, learning how to say no and goodbye to the right things in our life so that they would stop draining us physically and emotionally and mentally. And we learned that it's okay to stand up and try again. I love the passage in Proverbs. It says, though a righteous man falls seven times, anybody know what it says? He what? Gets back up. Now, isn't it interesting That though that man has fallen seven times, he has failed seven times, the Bible still calls him righteous. Isn't that interesting? The Bible still calls... Can I tell you, you may have walked through 2019 feeling like a complete, utter failure, but I want you to know today, if you get back up, the Bible still declares you righteous. There is an opportunity for a redo. God is a God of second and third and fourth and fifth and six thousandth chances. Today, we can live a revised life. And then today, I want to talk to you about how to refrain. What do we need to refrain from? Now, here's what I want you to know. You're probably like, oh, great, here we go. Brandon's going to tell me all the different stuff I need to stop doing because it doesn't honor Jesus and blah, 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 right? Um, No, 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 I'm not going to do that because here's, let's be honest, I don't need to tell you what you should be and shouldn't be doing, right? Your mama don't need to tell you what you should be and shouldn't be doing. You already know. I tell my kids all the time, if you have to ask your daddy, chances are it's a no. (laughs) All right? Like if you've got to ask me, you've already already discovered it in, in your own sense. Nobody needs to tell you what you should and shouldn't be doing. We all know what's right and wrong. We realize those things. But I'm going to tell you the why behind the what. Can I tell you that there's always a why behind the addiction? There's always a why behind financial circumstances. There's always a why behind my, why my relationships are failing and faltering. There's a bigger picture that, to, to the what, right? And today I want to talk to you about three whys. And I believe that if we can spend 2020 focusing on these things, that the other stuff will probably take care of itself, all right? So we're going to pray, and then we're going to dive into the Word this morning. Thank you, Lord, for your Word, that it's alive and breathing and real. And God, as we talk about today, refraining from some stuff, I pray that it becomes illuminated and real and challenging and inspiring in all of our lives. That we wouldn't leave here today um, the same, except we just spent an hour in church. But Father, we would leave here challenged, inspired to live a life on purpose that honors you. And God, that you would get all of the honor and the glory out of our lives. In Jesus' name, come on, we all said it together. Amen. Number one, you need to stop slipping into isolation. Stop slipping into isolation. We're going to say stop a lot. Everybody say stop. One, two, three. Stop. Stop. I say that to my kids all the time. Stop. Because I've said it 6,000 times nicely, right? Stop. Just stop. Stop slipping 
into isolation. I think at some point in our lives every year, we probably have all fallen into that trap of the enemy. Can I tell you, I think that is the single greatest trap of the enemy in an individual's life is isolation. Proverbs 18 talks about it this way. Whoever isolates himself seeks his own desire. What's he saying? You're a very selfish person. And breaks out against all sound judgment. What's he saying? There's not a moment where where intentional, complete isolation away from community is a wise decision for you to make. It's you break out against all sound judgment. The most dangerous thing a person can do in your life is isolate yourself away from community. It's why it's also the most tempting thing to do when life takes a left-hand turn that you didn't see coming. It's also the most tempting thing to do because why? The enemy starts bringing in shame and all of a sudden you're embarrassed and you don't want to talk about stuff. You don't want to let people know that you're struggling because you're trying to keep up with people you shouldn't be trying to keep up with anyways. And you begin to pull away. All of a sudden you stop answering the text messages. All of a sudden you pull away from serving in your church. And all of a sudden, man, I'm just too busy, too much going on. Life's hurting as if nobody else is going through stuff in the same circumstances, in the same progress of life that you are. You just begin to believe the lie that you just just need to be alone. And it's when I'm alone that I begin to hear the voice of the enemy loudest in my life. And I begin to fall into the temptation of isolation and, uh, and then that, that would make things better. It's the single first thing the enemy would begin to do in your life when things begin to struggle in your life is to pull you away from community. It's the first thing that happens because only then will you begin to believe the circumstances that he begins spilling into your heart, into your mind. Research has linked social isolation and loneliness to higher risk for a variety of physical and mental conditions. Check this out. High blood pressure linked to isolation. Heart disease linked. Obesity, a weakened immune system. People get sick more when they're isolated. Anxiety, depression, cognitive decline. It's linked uh, heavily to Alzheimer's disease, even death. Social isolation has been scientifically hardcore linked to, to unhealthy circumstances in much of, uh, of our country. Is that not insane? Like just, we were never designed by God to live outside of community. Did you know that? It takes a physical toll on our bodies and our mental capacities. Check this out. We found a story this past week. In November of 2018, a professional U.S. poker player bet $100,000 that he could survive 30 days alone in total darkness. Come on, that's $100,000. Who said, man, I can take 30 days. 30 days, man, I 30 days. 30 days for $100,000. He was kept in a small, completely dark room with nothing but a bed, a fridge, and a bathroom, okay? Except everything, he, he could have any kind of food he wanted, it was the most comfortable. I mean, it was a very expensive bed that they placed him in. It wasn't just a, a cot. It was very comfortable. And anything he could imagine as far as spa capabilities in this bathroom were there. I mean, like Epsom salts and smell, like everything, the, the best of the best that he was provided, he had. And even with all of these resources and all of the kinds of food that he would want that he needed to survive, he couldn't even last a month with $100,000 on the line. He figured out 20 days in, 10 days before the end, he negotiated a way out because he said, literally, I was going crazy. Like I couldn't, like my mind started faltering and started, I, people, there, there are scientific studies where people isolated away from community and these are extremes, but when they're completely, they begin to hallucinate. They begin to see things, hear things when they're not around people. We were designed, human beings were designed to be together. 
together. And I, I realize that, okay, that's isolation, 30 days in the complete. I realize that that's kind of an extreme. That was in three, 30 days. But some of us have been living isolated away from community for years. Years. And every time something happens or every time I get upset or every time I get mad at somebody or someone offends me, the first thing I do is pull away. And I draw into myself. And I think nobody understands and nobody likes me and nobody loves me and they just don't get me. And I begin to live the lie that that's actually going to be helpful. And can I tell you, the most dangerous thing you can do is begin to live in isolation. Salvation comes from Jesus. You need to know that. But healing comes through community. The Bible says in James chapter 5, for us as believers, confess our sins to one another. Pray for one another. Why? So we can be healed. Healed. What kind of emotional and, 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 and mental and physical healing do you need in your life that's only going to come through community with God's people? That's why small groups are so important here at our church. It's not something we do. It's something we are. If you're not committed in a small group in some form or fashion, I promise you, you're not even going to scratch the surface of what God could do in your life because community can only happen to a small degree here on a Sunday morning. Come on, we have across both campuses five different worship times, two different campuses, over uh, close to 800 people that worship here on a weekend across all of our different worship times. It's not possible to get to have uh, deep rooted, healthy relationships just showing up on a Sunday morning. But can I tell you, if you'll commit into a small group, our small groups begin the first week in February. Uh, if you're going to lead a small group, you can even turn that in today. They're due today. You can go to cultivatechurch.tv, lead a small group. You go, I don't know if I can lead a small group. What's that about? You just do whatever you're doing and invite people along with you, so long as it's legal. <laughs> uh, but you just do whatever you're doing in life. You just bring people along and add Jesus to it, right? That's a, that, You're doing life. With people, that's what we're called to do. It brings healing into our lives. If I, could, if I could tell you one thing in 2020, if all I had was one thing to tell you, and this is all I could teach you, and all you had to go on the whole year, I would say find a community of people and don't let go. Don't let go. Even when you want to, even when it's hard, even when there's that one person in your group that's driving you crazy and you're like, just leave me alone for three days. Like even when, don't let them. Just hold on tight and do life with people because I promise you the most dangerous thing you can do in 2020 is to slip into isolation and to begin to listen to the voice of the enemy. Small groups are important. It's not something we do. It's something we are. It's a valuable piece of what God wants to do in your life. You need to start doing life with People. Number two, if you're taking notes, this one's huge. Stop seeking happiness. Like, Brandon, I don't know, man. I'm like, this is all like, what do you mean? It's supposed to be encouraging, telling me not to be happy. Well, let me tell you, I'm gonna, I'm gonna show you. I think this is, again, is, is one of the greatest tricks of the enemy. We believe into this, uh, we, we kind of buy into this lie of, um, American Christianity, and we kind of buy into this lie of the American dream, and that everybody deserves um, to be happy, and you know, all of this stuff. But let me show you something in Galatians chapter 5. It talks about this the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self control. Against these things, there is no law. Let me tell you what's not in a fruit of the Spirit happiness. It's not there, you'll never find it. Let me tell you why. Because culture has taught us that joy and happiness are synonymous. Can I tell you they're not? They're not. They're complete two different things. 
We talked about this a few months ago in a series we taught. And happiness is all based on happenings. Happiness is based on my circumstance. It's based on what's going on around me. So when my job doesn't go right, happiness is fleeting. When my marriage is going south, happiness goes away. When my kids are acting fools, all of a sudden I got a bad attitude, right? Like, like, like everything is dependent on what's going on around me. That's what happiness is. Happiness is actually the counterfeit to joy. Did you know that? The reason many of us struggle year in and year out, and no matter how many things we've pursued, and no matter how many things we've gained, we've broken sales record after sales record at my job. We've, we've, we've accumulated thing after thing. My marriage, man, we've done stuff after stuff. We've gotten house after house, every car, everything, all the new stuff, all the things we've attained in our life, yet it seems to never fully make me happy. Why? Because it's a moving target. You see, every time you get that new job, you take a shot and you didn't hit the bullseye. You got close, man. I, man, I was so close. A couple months in, that job you thought that was going to be it, all of a sudden you realize your boss is crazy, right? <laughs> and, and it didn't work right? And, and like, oh man, we got this, like we got this house. This is our dream house. And then your neighbors are crazy, right? And like, like, I, like nothing seems to make me happy. Why? Because happiness is about a circumstance and it's always going to be fleeting. And I promise you in 2020, if it's going to be yet another year that you're chasing and pursuing happiness, it'll be another year that you're always missing the target. You will miss the target this year because it's not about happiness. You see, joy is something quite the opposite. Here's what Rick Warren says about joy. He says, joy is the settled assurance that God is in control of all the details of my life. That takes a little faith. All the details of my life. The quiet confidence that ultimately everything is going to be all right. And the determined choice to praise God in every situation. Come on, I got joy. Come hell or high water. No matter what's going on, I got joy. I focused. I'm trust. It's this quiet assurance that God, you are in complete control. And that, that will take effect. You know, when you have joy, all of a sudden happiness, that feeling, that emotion of happiness doesn't seem to be as fleeting as it always is. All of a sudden, I begin to find a, a, a quiet contentment, a contentment in the job, a contentment in my family, a contentment in my resources. I learn to be content in all things. Why? Because the joy of the Lord is my strength. I find strength not in anything I would accomplish, but in all that I am in Jesus. I've got to stop seeking happiness in 2020. I'm going to show you how to do that real quick. Are you ready? How do I find joy and stop pursuing happiness? Because I'm going to tell you, the only way humanity knows to seek happiness is to go get it themselves. The only way. Only way we know is to go get, go do, go, go be, go, 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 go. We're doing it in our own strength. Here's how we can find joy. Number one, you need to learn to be thankful. Well, Philippians 4 talks about it, be thankful in all circumstances. I need to learn to be thankful. You need to write down today and every day just a couple of things you're thankful for. Put it in your notes. Send it to your spouse in a text message, however you need to do it, right? Like start thinking, focus on things that you would be thankful for, especially if it's a bad day. Come on, especially if it's something that, man, it just went, something came out of left field. I had no clue this was coming and this sucks, right? Come on, pastor, you said, <laughs> y'all okay? <laughs> like this stinks. What am I thankful for? 
couple of things. Be thankful. Number two, this one's huge. Be intentional. I'm on 2020, I'm going to be intentional. Don't just survive the day. Don't just survive the day. Do things on purpose. Come on, you set the tone for every day. You know that? You yourself set the tone for every day. You set it. You set the tone. Don't just, what did we say a couple of weeks ago, don't just shuffle around feet to the ground, eyes down, not seeing what's ahead in front of you. And what can you do intentionally? Today, tomorrow, don't just survive. Come on, number three, be thoughtful. What does that mean? What can you do to serve one, some, someone around you this week? At your job, in your neighborhood, in your family, how can you be thoughtful? What can I do? Man, listen, this is the most spiritual thing you can do. Come on, how can I be thoughtful in my life, in my sphere of influence? Ever how small or ever how big? I'm gonna be thoughtful. That brings joy. And I love this one, number four. This one's going to be counter. It's counterproductive, it's counterproductive to culture, okay? But you need to be prayerful and mindful, okay? Let me tell you what that means. It means that I'm going to intentionally focus on positive things. The, the battlefield of the mind. Paul talks about it in Philippians chapter 4, verse 8. Listen, again, this is a man under house arrest awaiting possibly a death sentence, okay? Put yourself in his shoes. This ain't... You know, how am I going to get iPhone 11 this year? You know, I'm so depressed. <laughs> like, how am I going to make that happen? How are we going to go to Disney World this year? Like, how are we going to do it? I don't know how to do it. He's waiting to die. <laughs> like, it's a bad day. And this is what he says. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Paul said, I'm going to be mindful. I'm going to be mindful of my circumstance. Hey, you don't look good. All intents and purposes, Paul says, I might die next week, but I'm going to think about what's pure and God-honoring. I'm going to be mindful. I'm taking control of my circumstance. I'm going to stop focusing on the junk going on around me. Every little lure the enemy throws my way to try to throw me off my game and ruin me and ruin my relationships and mess up my circumstances. I'm going to stop giving that attention that it's demanding, and I'm going to start giving attention to the things of God that he desires. That's how I find joy. That's how I find joy. And number three, this one's huge. You need to stop settling relationally. Well, it's a big one. 2020, I am no longer going to settle relationally. I love this. 1 Corinthians 15 and 33. God, this is so powerful. Don't be misled, he says. Bad company corrupts good character. Come on, let's say it. Bad company corrupts good character. He says, come back to your senses as you ought and stop sinning, for there are some of you who are ignorant of God. You need to know that it's true that you are an average of the five to 10 people that you hang around the most. That my mama was right. Show me your friends and I'll show you your future. That's true. That's prophetic. It's real. It's reality. You are settling relationally in your sphere of influence and it is messing you up. It is changing you and you don't even realize it. Some of you think, well, it's no big deal. I'm the good person in our circle of friends. Yeah, but in three years, you ain't gonna be 
because it is influencing you. It is making a difference in your life. You know, it's, it's who you know and not what you know that really does make the difference. Who are we settling for relationally? I want you to know that you cannot begin to use the excuse of, evan- of evangelism anymore as a follower of Jesus. Yeah, but Jesus hung around sinners. Yeah, he was the son of God. He was God, right? Like Jesus had a little more clout to him than we do. You know what I'm saying? It, we have to intentionally, I'm not saying, I'm not saying don't, don't influence, don't be salt and light in the world around you. But I am saying the people that have the influence, that you give influence into your everyday walking around life, don't need to be people who are dragging you down, who are influencing you for the worst who are making decisions for you and you don't even realize that they're doing it. The single greatest ingredient to enduring faith is this. You need to write this down. My friends are my future. Come on, you want to endure in your faith? You want to love Jesus in 30 years? You want to see God's purpose and plan for your life? You need to start surrounding yourself with people that are going to help you honor God. When you cultivate who's around you, you are cultivating who you are. You are literally chiseling out who you are by who you do life with. You're whittling yourself out. So how do I, how do I not settle? I'm going to share with you just a, a simple assessment. You ready? You need to write down some goals. Write your list of goals down for this year. Whatever those are, write them down. And then you need to write down a list of all your friends. All the people that have, not just, not just everybody, but all the people who have influence in your life, who that you talk to on a regular basis who you're doing life with, who you're hanging out with, who you're going and making decisions that don't honor God with, like everything. You know what I'm saying? You know, I don't got to tell you, you know. Who are these people? What are your goals? And then you need to put a plus next to the ones who are helping and you need to put a minus next to the ones who are not. And I'm telling you, it is black and white in this particular circumstance. When you have toxic people in your life, it is going to damage your relationship with God. You are allowing them to make decisions for you. And now that you know, stop settling and start living. Start living a life on purpose that honors God. The people you spend your time with are the single most influential catalyst in your life. You realize that? So you go, man, I just don't understand. I just don't understand, man, why am I keep, why can't I keep, why can't I make better decisions? God, I'm going to church. Man, I'm serving on on the weekends. Like, Jesus, I've confessed my love to you, but you're still hanging around the same people that are dragging you to the same places, that are helping you make the same bad decisions. I'm not saying don't influence them, but I'm saying they no longer have a say in what you do. You got to make some changes. This week, you you need to push delete on some things. You need to put the brakes on some things, and you need to stop settling so that you can begin living God's best for your life. I'm going to pray with you. Will you bow your heads and close your eyes? You say, man, that's hard. I don't know, Brandon. I mean, I've, I've been doing life with these people for 20 years. Man, we've been partying for 30 years. We've been doing stuff. I don't know. I can't just, what are you talking? I mean, just, just sever ties? Listen, listen. Don't conform to the pattern of this world but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. I promise you, 
If you won't settle, there's a God who is able to do significantly above and beyond anything you ever asked, thought, or imagined for your life according to his power at work within you. Come on, where have you settled in your life? Where are you settling right now? Come on, spiritually, relationally, mentally, emotionally, financially. Where are you settling? Stop settling. Stop chasing the wrong thing. Stop believing in the counterfeit. Stop slipping into isolation. Come on, today I want you to know there's a community of people that aren't perfect. We don't have it all together. I'm going to go ahead and tell you up front, we're messed up like anybody else is. But the grace of God covers us. And we honestly want to see God's purpose for your life fulfilled. Start surrounding yourself in a small group. Start, start doing life with people that want to see God's best for your life. Renew your mind. Maybe you're here today and that's you. Man, the greatest relationship you could begin is Jesus. You've settled for far too long for the counterfeit. What do, you, what do you mean the counterfeit? Come on, we're in the Bible Belt. You've probably been in church for years. You've, you've been in religion for a long time. But let's be honest, you had not had an authentic relationship with Jesus. Come on, stop settling for a counterfeit Jesus. Come on, I'm inviting you into an authentic relationship with Jesus today. I'm going to invite you to pull that connect card out. On it, it says, I'm committing my life to Christ. Come on, I'm going to ask you to be brave today. I'm, I'm committing my life to Christ. Maybe for the first time in a long time, you would be honest and said, I need to renew my life with Jesus. I need to stop settling for this counterfeit. I need to stop settling relationally. I'm tired of chasing happiness. I want joy for, final, for once and for all in my life this year. I'm going to lead you right where you are in prayer. Father, I love you. Thank you for my friends. Thank you for your grace. Thank you that you're good. I pray that you would forgive us of our sins. God, we lay it down at the foot of the cross and we pick up salvation in Jesus. From this point forward, I follow you as my Lord and I accept you as my Savior. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, 1015. Can you honor Jesus today? Come on, people saying yes, making decisions.